Welcome to the Rural Realities Podcast, presented by the Wisconsin Farm Center Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. Joining us today is Renee Sutke, Associate Director at Journey Mental Health Center. Renee grew up on a family dairy farm in southern Dane County, and she continues to spend time on the farm with her children as rural life and culture continues to be important to her in both her personal and professional lives. Renee, thank you for joining us. This is the first of several podcasts aimed at helping farmers reduce the daily stress in their lives. So tell us about the stigma behind farmers and stress. I think stigma is a problem in our culture sort of generally. And then when you multiply the fact that you are responsible for a lot of things, you're responsible for your, basically everything, and you're on time crunches and you're working sun up to sundown some days, that it is hard to find the time to take care of yourself and, and to take care of your mental health. And it's also hard to find time to talk to someone about it. So I think that you are also not prioritizing your mental health in the same way that you might prioritize a broken leg or another health concern. I also think that farmers typically don't prioritize their physical health either. So our culture sort of tells us that our mental health um, is not a priority and then you don't have the time and it's not helpful for your whole body functioning. So when you break your leg, you need to get it fixed to walk again. When you are having anxiety and depression, your whole body doesn't function well in the same way that your leg is broken. And it's not as easy to see that or to feel that or to have an understanding of that in the same way when your leg is broken. So I think that given our culture and given our society around mental health, treatment is sort of a negative aspect, given your lack of time to prioritize that. And then given sort of your lack of resources in a rural area, or if you do have a clinic, an outpatient mental health treatment clinic in your area, that you pretty much know everybody in town. And if, you know, your neighbor Joe is having coffee at the diner on Main Street, and you're going in across the street to the mental health clinic on Main Street, Joe's going to see you do that. And there is an aspect that Joe's going to talk to people about that. So you have all of these confounding things that contribute to that. And that at some point, just like when your leg is going to break, you have a breaking point for your brain too, and a stress point for your brain that's going to affect your whole body. And it's hard to prioritize that. It's hard to see that. And it's hard to move forward around that. So is it okay? I think that if you're not feeling okay, it's important to get help from someone and find out what the resources are in your community. So what about the signs and symptoms of depression and anxiety? And how do you know when it's time to reach out for help? So signs and symptoms of depression and anxiety show up in different ways, depending on the person. There are people who have a predisposition to anxiety and depression. And those symptoms might show up every day and you should yourself a lot. Uh, You know, I should have gotten this done today or I should do a better job at that or I should, should, should. That's one way we can notice that 
we're maybe a little hard on ourselves and that can be rooted in anxiety or a perfectionist sort of feeling. So there's sort of the everyday kind of person who has to manage depression and anxiety and does that maybe without even knowing it or without even thinking it. And then there's a sort of a person who is having a new onset of symptoms or the everyday symptoms are getting worse. And when you should worry or when you should kind of stop and think about what's going on for me is when you have behavior changes that you're really noticing and they're really affecting your life. So if you're, you have changes in sleep, so you're feeling more tired and lethargic or less tired and you're having a hard time sleeping when you are having appetite changes, either way across the spectrum, you could be hungry more or hungry less. You could see a weight loss or a weight gain for no particular reason. You might have changes in your mood where it's easy to feel really frustrated on something that you haven't felt frustrated before, something you know how to do. Things don't seem to be clicking or you're fixing something and you you have kind of an explosive blowout at that thing you're fixing that you have always been able to fix and you're not able to concentrate on that. Your brain's sort of going from zero to 60 a lot more quickly than it normally does. You have some disorganization maybe. So you find yourself spending more time thinking about what you're going to do for the day and planning what you're going to do for the day than you normally would or second guessing yourself around what your plans are for the day. And you might just have changes in your thought process. You might be thinking about negative things. Your thoughts might be really racing in a way that's not typical for you. And you might experience disorganization in other ways, disorganization around your home, disorganization around, you know, where things are. You might also have a a lot of physical changes. So you might have some gastrointestinal problems, for example. So increased in heartburn, other pain, not explained otherwise. And those behavior changes and those places in your body where you feel depression, anxiety physically, are reasons to think, huh, I wonder what that's about, or to take a break and reassess what's going on for you. And if you need to talk to someone about that or talk to your partner, your spouse, your parent, someone who is supportive. When things are unmanageable and they affect your life in a way that you feel is problematic, that is when it's important to reach out for help. Or you find yourself using coping mechanisms that are unhealthy. So if typically you are a person who gets up in the morning and does some exercising before you head off to the farm, or at some point in the day, you go for a a walk just to kind of clear your head or to refresh, and you find yourself not doing that, or you find yourself taking a nap instead of going for that walk, or you find yourself having a beer every night instead of just a beer on Friday, or four beers every night instead of just one beer a night or one beer on Friday. And if you find yourself sort of having some explosive anger at home, those are things that are problematic and affect your relationships, affect your feeling, affect your functioning overall. So what should you do if you know that somebody around you, a spouse, kids, uh, somebody on the family farm are showing these symptoms? So I think the first thing to do is, if you notice these signs and symptoms in someone else, is to ask questions and to come at the changes, the symptoms, the the concern with concern. Not what's your problem, but rather, I've noticed this, how are you feeling? 
I'm wondering if there's something I can do to help you. Something seems a little bit different. And exploring with support, without judgment, without something is wrong. Because that's what leads us back into the stigma piece. If So if my partner, my business partner, my husband, my brother, my father comes home and seems different or has seemed different for a number of days, if I say, what's wrong with you? then that just leads into our continual focus on if you have a mental health problem, if you're struggling with a mental health issue, something's wrong. Well, if you have a broken leg, yeah, something is wrong. But when you have a broken leg, you don't say what's wrong with you. You see that you have a broken leg and that you need help and you might need to go to the doctor to get that leg fixed. So coming at this with a perspective of kindness and without judgment is important. You don't come at someone with a broken leg with judgment. Like, well, why did you do that? And what happened? And what are you going to, how, how, how did that happen? It is what it is. So coming at it in a way that provides that lack of, of affect or anger or frustration because everybody has something going on. And think about how you would want to be supported in that way. If you were having these increase in symptoms, if you were feeling not worthy, if you were feeling like something wasn't worth it anymore, that can be really hard for people to do. That that empathy piece is really putting yourself in someone else's shoes can be really complicated and can change to sympathy very quickly. So that's also important. Don't feel bad for people. It's important to know that they're struggling and that you want to help them. If you feel bad for them, that doesn't imply the ability and desire to be helpful. When we have anxiety as parents, for whatever reason, or depression or feelings or frustration or whatever, our kids pick up on those feelings very quickly and easily and, and have that feeling too. And their behavior is different. So when your kids have behaviors, what, what we kind of call in the field as behaviors or strong emotional responses or changes, those behaviors are telling us something. So it's important to think about not punishing a kid for a behavior, but also understanding what the thought process and the feeling is behind that behavior. So you come at that with kids with a similar way, calm demeanor, asking questions without judgment. Kids want to please parents. That's their one thing. They want you to be happy. They want you to be proud of them. They want to please you. So coming at this with an ability for your child to trust you and for your spouse to trust you and your business partner and whoever to trust you is the most important thing when asking questions and when you're diving into that road to figure out what's wrong and maybe this person needs some help. And going to an appointment with someone, offering that, taking your time to, to support them in that way. The other thing to be thoughtful about is when folks seem to have a, a rapid change in behavior from seeming down to seeming really positive. And the importance of understanding that when a person decides that they want to end their life and they make a plan, write a suicide note, have everything figured out to how they will end their life, they may change from feeling really down and out 
to really positive and have an extra pep in their step because they have made a decision and that weight is lifted off their shoulders. So even when someone seems better, it's important to say, hey, you seem better. What's different? I'm so glad to see that you're better because you're offering support in this way. Just just say, hey, I care about you. I'm glad you're feeling better. And that might help that person stop and think and say, oh, this person cares about me. I might miss them if I'm gone. They might miss me and maybe retune that thought or maybe disclose that they've been thinking about suicide or that they've been thinking about ending their life. So it's always important to ask and to say versus to not say. It's similar to the idea of going to the airport and seeing a left package behind. If you see something, say something. And that shows you care about people. Where do you recommend people go for help? Good question. Help can be defined as a number of things. Uh, practical, traditional outpatient mental health and substance use treatment is driven by your insurance. So if you are feeling like, I really want to see a therapist and have a professional engaging relationship in that way, or that maybe someone in your family recommends that, that should start by calling the phone number on the back of your insurance card. And navigating the insurance system, they'll have an intake line that you'll call and you'll say, hey, this is what's going on for me. They'll probably rate your severity in terms of I need an appointment today or I need an appointment in a couple of weeks. And then they will schedule you an appointment. Right now in in the COVID-19 times, in terms of mental health and substance use treatment, we are doing a lot of telehealth to reduce risk for everyone. So if you feel like you don't have a lot of time when you're thinking about, you know, first crop of hay and finishing that up and if it's raining or not, the ability to have a telehealth appointment might work out really well. And you can take that half hour or hour break whenever it makes sense for you. Um, A lot of providers also have evening hours or early morning hours or there are lots of options. And if an option is, doesn't work for you, it's okay to say to that scheduler or the intake worker, hey, I really, the only time that I can have an appointment is between nine and noon. And explain that, you know, I'm a dairy farmer, I'm a farmer, I have lots of work to accomplish during the day, and I'm not going to be able to do that. Or ask to be put on a cancellation list. In the age of telehealth, cancellations or no-shows can happen quickly or without much turnaround time. And you can also get an appointment filled without much turnaround time. So if there's a cancellation at 10, you can make 10 and it's quarter to 10. You you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to drive that 45 minutes across in across Dane County, basically, for us or for across the county to get to your appointment and to be seen face to face. The advent with the advent of telehealth dramatically changing the way that we provide services, telehealth is is most likely here to stay for lots of services and it's most likely going to be an option moving forward. So even when hopefully when COVID is done and sort of backs off, people might be going into a clinic and telehealth might still be an option. So you can have a meeting via Zoom or whatever telehealth platform there is right on your smartphone, maybe in the tractor, maybe you take a break in the in the field and, and use your phone and connect with the therapist that way. It seems a lot easier to provide that support to a farmer in 2020 than maybe even 
a few months ago or even a year ago because of that stigma and your neighbor seeing you walk into that therapy clinic if that's something that you have available in your community. And if your neighbor does see you walk into that therapy clinic and they say something about it, that's okay. You can say to them like, hey, yeah, I see in my therapist that I'm having a hard time and I'm working on changing my mood and working on my relationships with people and working on how to feel good about myself at the end of the day versus feeling bad. Use that tool as an opportunity of education, even though it's very hard to do that. The other places that you can find help and support non-traditionally are to think about your faith community. So think about your pastor, rabbi, whomever you connect with in terms of faith. Think about scheduling an appointment just to say, hey, I'm struggling with this thing and to offer help. Our folks who are leaders in the faith community do have training and knowledge and understanding around counseling skills and the ability to listen and the ability to help and desire to do that. That's why they're in that profession. They want to be helpful in any way they can be. So that is another idea. But think about things that you can change in your life and think about how you might look up an article online and say, hey, Google anxiety and depression and ways to help yourself. There are supplements you can take. There are things you can do to help your body. You can stop drinking if you're drinking or using other substances. Other substances interfere with our body's ability to function regularly. So uh, substances always cause sleep disturbances and changes in our mood. That's most of the time why we use them. So thinking about the substances you use and stopping them or decreasing them in a way where you might find some relief. Thinking about exercise and I know your regular work. So when you do regular work by taking a, a walk that is different than your regular work, you're exercising separate from work. If I'm on my feet all day serving at a restaurant, yeah, I'm exercising, I'm at work, I'm moving around. And it's still important to do something different for your body. And repetitive trunk movement, so the movement of your arms and legs, has shown in many, many studies that can reduce anxiety and depression. So even if it's 15 minutes twice a day, even if it's a half hour every other day, start slow, but finding the time to take a walk to feel refreshed instead of taking a nap to feel refreshed. Trust me on this one. Give it a try. It will help immensely. Last but not least, saying to someone who you trust, like, hey, I am having these thoughts. I'm, I'm worried about myself. I'm, my thoughts are racing. I can feel my heart beating fast. I wonder if I'm going to have a heart attack. Well, maybe it's a panic attack. Maybe going to your primary care to start is also an option. Primary care physicians are happy to, to refer to clinics. Their primary care physicians are sometimes, depending on the primary care, are happy to fill a small dose of an antidepressant medication. Although medications are not everything, they're just one piece of the puzzle. It's important that you, that you think about therapy and skill-based therapy to help you get through these kind of hard times too. The thing about therapy that I also like to think about is that it's, it can be a tune-up. You don't, just because you go to therapy once doesn't mean you have to go to therapy forever. Actually, it shouldn't mean you're going to therapy forever. And if you were going to therapy forever, we as providers might not be doing our job. So the goal is for therapy to be a short-term solution where I, as a therapist, help understand what's going on for you, provide an assessment, teach you a bunch of skills so you can carry on with your life and function better in a way where everyone feels good 
and you don't need me anymore. My job is to work myself out of a job because if I spend two years in therapy with you, then there's someone else that might be missing out on an opportunity to be provided with those skills too. So it's all of those things. And maybe a one little bit of all of those things I described might help together, might help differently, might help, but I hope you get some help. And I hope that you reach out to someone who you trust to help you navigate that system. There are many farmers out there that don't have health insurance. So what would be the cost for seeking help without insurance? Without insurance, the first thing, and this is kind of a local solution here in Dane County and in Wisconsin, but the first thing I might think about is, do I qualify for Badger Care? And if I qualify for Badger Care, I should apply, and that then allows me to be insured. So also, in any kind of Medicaid insurance, does also allow for non-traditional services to be utilized more formally. The program that I work in currently is called Comprehensive Community Service. It's a state of Wisconsin Medicaid community program for folks where we see people often in their homes. We walk, go for walks with people. We have an expansive ability to serve folks through peer specialists, through vocational supports, through traditional therapy and non-traditional services. You have to qualify for that type of program based on acuity and mental health need. However, it is available in that way. And non-traditional services sometimes are more helpful for folks who are in a rural setting, have less time, etc. If you don't have insurance at all, there should be supports in your community with a clinic that has a sliding scale service option where you can pay cash depending on what your income is or might have a mini grant that you'd be able to apply for or you might be able to be county funded depending on your county. So if you don't have insurance, your county human services department should have an intake resource line where you're, you should be able to call and say, hey, I'm interested in mental health treatment. I don't have insurance. Who should I call? And they should be able to refer you, whether that's in-house of their own county human services department or whether that's an agency that they contract with to support that population. So just because you have insurance doesn't mean that you don't have availability to find supportive options in the community. It seems farmers are living with a lot of stress these days. What are some tips, advice that you can give for, you know, just day-to-day activity of relieving stress? Ah, a few tips to staying positive and reducing stress. I'm going to go back to that exercise one. Try to exercise, even if it's every other day, even if it's a couple times a week. It really does work, not dramatically on the first day, but over time, you will see a difference. The other thing that's really important is to think about what you have control over. I was reading an article in Horde Steeryman, just a, a business article about thinking about what is your business plan. And that hit home to me because I just can only feel for what folks are dealing with right now in terms of thinking about having to dump a tank of milk or having that risk. And what are your expenses? What are your capital expenses? What did you have planned for 2020 and 2021? And how can you think about maybe making a change to that? You know, if you thought about buying a new combine in 2021, maybe taking that new capital investment and thinking about how can I make sure my current combine 
works through 2022 and let me budget for that maybe in the next three or four years. And really thinking about instead of putting that stress on, I have to buy that new combine because that was my plan, but thinking about what changes can I make and how can I be more malleable in terms of my business operations right now, given our current pandemic and current situation. Thinking about what you have control over doesn't just apply to business plans, of course, but it it applies to your daily life. It applies to everything. You know, do you have control over the weather? No. So what is your option? You can get frustrated that it's going to rain, or you can think about an opportunity to catch up on other things or get your bills done or get ahead on something that you might stay late doing because it has to get done next week on a nice day. So really thinking about your, you have control over your time, you have control over your schedule, your time's obviously valuable. You don't have control over what comes at you, but you have control over how you react to it. So you can reframe the rain or you can be upset about it. And being upset about it doesn't really help anybody. You can think about, you know, oh, the milkman just pulled in the driveway, he's waving at me. I'm working on this thing, I wanna get done with it. But it might be nice to, you know, talk to the friendly milkman who I like and wondering what's up with him. I can either get frustrated that he wants to talk to me for a few minutes or embrace that as a nice social contact on a Tuesday where I'm not going to see anybody else, but maybe my business partner or maybe my wife or husband for that matter. So thinking about what's around you in terms of that social piece and how you can beat isolation by taking a little extra time to interact with people who are friendly and nice or, you know, taking that phone call from your adult child who gives you a call or, or taking that phone call from your friend that you might otherwise ignore or come back to it later or forget about later. So those are things that I think are important to just help your day-to-day life generally, but especially when you're having more mental health symptoms. The reframing piece, I can't stress it enough. You, you know, think about, do I have control over that thing? No. Okay. So how can I accept it or take what I need from it? And the other thing that is important is to figure out what other things that are concrete that you can do that can help your space. So I'm going back to the napping. <laughs> if it's raining and your shop is a mess and you'd rather take a nap, okay, do what you need to do. But would you feel better if your shop got cleaned up? Maybe. So really thinking about what in the long run, what's going to make me feel better? What is going to make me more productive? What's going to make me feel more organized and accomplished and better as I move through the day and through the week? And how do I, sometimes how do you use that weather to your advantage? And if you need to take a nap, take a nap. I I don't mean to be harping on the naps. Well, that's a relief. (laughs) Thank you, Renee, for visiting with us today. Any parting thoughts? The take-home message from me to you is that your broken brain is just as important as your broken leg. And our brains have to be healthy. And if our brains are healthy, the rest of our body is healthy. And if our brains aren't healthy, then the rest of our body doesn't work quite as well. And so we need to change our focus from cuts and bruises on our legs and arms to cuts and bruises on our brains and take care of those brains in the same way that we would take care of a deep gash in our leg that we don't want to get infected or as I've been saying a broken bone. So please take the time to think about what you need and take the time to to think about how you can 
get help in a way that's appropriate for you, whether that's trying some things on your own, reading an article, or seeking professional therapy services at an agency. Thank you for those comments, Renee. That's Renee Sutke, Associate Director at Journey Mental Health Center based in Madison. The Wisconsin Farm Center with the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection provides an array of different services to farmers and farm families across Wisconsin, including farm mediation, financial planning, herd-based diagnostics, the counseling voucher program, and much more. To learn more, you can call the Wisconsin Farm Center toll-free at 1-800-942-2474 or email them farmcenter at wisconsin.gov. Also, their website address is datcp.wi.gov. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Rural Realities Podcast.